Hello, hello, hello. Dr. Paco here with you with another great podcast. Today, we'll be talking about two kinds of narcissists, the grandiose, ego-driven narcissist, and the vulnerable, more neurotic narcissist. I choose these two categories because it's important to have a distinction because I think when people think from a on-the-surface superficial perspective of what is a narcissist, we tend to end up describing just one particular person. Now, at her usual, before we get into our discussion today, we must uncover the truth teller news. Now, today, there's only one piece of news, which is certainly enough to stand alone considering the implications of this news. But the recently disgraced singer R. Kelly, and um, songwriter, entertainer, um, there were some text messages that were released of a 16-year-old child that um, it is believed that he was to be dating. And the text messages revealed that the mother of the young woman was giving cues, was coercing her daughter into how to compart, how to carry herself in the presence of um, Mr. Kelly. And I actually was reading through some of these um, text messages, at least the ones that were available online, and the mother was telling the daughter how to present herself, how to entice um, R. Kelly, how to act in certain ways. And it was really interesting. And it brings me back to an original point that I had is that a lot of these parents need to be in a cell right next to R. Kelly, if not sharing a cell with him. Because there's no way this many teenagers, this many teenage girls get into a situation with an individual unless parents knew something. And this is just a classic example of how a parent not only knew something, they were involved in facilitating the process. Now, without further ado, let's get into this topic. Now, as I mentioned, I chose this topic because I hear people talk about narcissists all the time, and usually they speak of them incorrectly. But I wanted to give an opportunity for those of you who follow me to be able to differentiate between these two narcissists so that you can stop looking for just one and be aware of both and take better care of yourself. You may be in a situation to where you are involved with a different type of narcissist. And because of you solely looking for the traditional brand, you have overlooked the person that might be right underneath your nose. So we're going to go with the grandiose narcissist first, the traditional that we know, the entitled, inflated self-view, and the desire for power. We know this person as believing they are special, um, and they seek opportunities for admiration and are very boastful. It's not uncommon to see these individuals steal credit from work from others. I've had to um, endure some of this in my own professional career, where work I've done has someone else's name on it. Um, often we'll play mind games in relationships. Um, imagine someone that calls you and then hangs up and you call them back and you say, did you call me? And they say, no, I didn't call you. Those types of games. And it can get much, much worse than that. Lying about where they've been when you know for a fact they weren't there. Um, telling you that they're done with old past flings and relationships whenever they're going as strong as ever. Um, just a lot of games. And they're games because the individual who's playing these games thinks they're funny. They're, they're, they're entertaining. They're having a good time. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of that. 
Um, these are your stereotypical narcissists, um, generally men, but increasingly women. They're definitely women out there and the numbers are growing. Um, also, when you think of your grandiose narcissists, think of power hungry individuals like a Trump or a lot of these in, in, bed, in evangelicals that run these mega churches that are drunken with power and love the admiration and the, ad, and the adoration they get from their congregations and constantly requesting people to give their last to make their their bank accounts and their churches just larger and larger and larger because the bigger the church, the better. Um, you see with these traditional narcissists, um, the grandiose narcissists, they want leadership positions where they can have a bunch of followers and again, live off that admiration, have the cup filled to the top, but it is a bottomless cup that can never be filled all the way. So the life will literally have to be sucking, sucking out of every follower. Um, the grandiose narcissist needs to feel superior, needs to feel special, and needs to be around people who will allow that to happen. They believe that they know better and that they are elite, and they only will show respect generally towards other people who are considered to be elite unless there is an instrumental purpose, meaning there's something to be gained by being kind to another individual because they, they are, in, in essence, very charming until things go a different direction. Um, they seek relationships where they can feed off the energy of a person that is, in, in essence, truly, really disposable. Um, so one of the things you want to make sure you do when you're dealing with these people is that you don't challenge them publicly um, or at all if you don't have to. Because the narcissistic rage is real and you will be, their wrath will be directed towards you and it can cause all types of harm that is not necessary. It's not about being scared, not about being being bold. It's about avoiding unnecessary drama, especially as you're an adult and when the consequences start to stick. Um, so just avoid them. But if you must interact with them, do not disclose personal details. Don't tell them anything about you because that can later be used. It can be weaponized as a way to put you into um, position. I've dealt with narcissistic people who have taken a kernel of truth and have created a whole story out of it and had me having to defend and having to verify certain details of, of what was true versus what, what was not. Now, when we look at society, it's easy to feel like that everyone, everyone is narcissistic. And that's because our society reinforces a lot of the narcissistic personality traits. Um, live for yourself, you know, personal happiness at the expense of all else. People are rewarded whenever they come out and do things that are very um, selfish, very, very self-seeking. And one of the examples I'll use that, you know, it's controversial to some, but to me, it is what it is, is the situation with um, Bruce Jenner transitioning into Caitlyn Jenner. It's like you've already had, I don't, I don't know for sure, like what, five or four children. And you've been married for a very, very long time. You've been married twice and in your 60s, I believe it was for Bruce decided to transition into Caitlyn. And that's a classic example of a narcissistic trait in the sense that you feel that all the obligations that you've made, the vows that you've taken come second string to the fact that you want to live out the rest of your life as a woman because you feel like that that is your truth. Um, truth. Depending on the country, depending on the culture, 
the mere idea is something that can be considered asinine. And although I'm in a culture that increasingly accepts certain ideals, I too consider it to be something that is very much so um, asinine. Now we're going to talk about the vulnerable narcissist. This is a hypersensitive narcissist, but in a different way, because they're all hypersensitive, but this is a little different. Now, listen to me here. This is the world is against me narcissist. They are entitled, true enough, but also have like a low self-esteem and more of a depressive personality, but they're still dangerous because they are supremely selfish. I used to get drawn into these kinds of um, relationships and interactions with people because of the perceived helplessness, um, the person's sadness. You, you felt like you were doing a good thing. Um, these individuals are the kind that actually will seek therapy. You hear people talk a lot about how a narcissist would never go to seek therapy. Well, a vulnerable, neurotic narcissist will go to seek therapy because a therapist has the ability to feed into the, the foolery of this type of person to try to help them solve all of the self-inflicted wounds and kind of, in a sense, allow them to wallow in the self-pity that, that comes from a lot of therapy. So people who are more on the neurotic, vulnerable side of, nar- of narcissistic um, personalities, these are, think more of like a borderline personality disorder, an individual, um, whereas traditional narcissists are more connected to like antisocial personality disorders and psychopathy. So think more on the borderline personality dis- disorder side of things, where that that hysteronic, that emotional display where a person can can do something to you, um, get irate with you, and then five seconds later act like nothing's ever happened. Um, they're basically their emotions are they're they're driving them hardcore. They are less sensation seeking and more likely to struggle with their impulse control. So it's not about you know getting on the roller coasters. It's not about running through the street streaking. You know it's not about um, embezzling a bunch of money from a company. It's more about being impulsive and just making decisions that are detrimental to themselves, but more likely you. Um, I, I consider these narcissistic individuals to be destructive from the inside out, whereas a lot of narcissists are destructive from the outside in, whereas they are the last ones to encounter um, the full effect of whatever it is they're involved in. These narcissists tend to already be distraught on the inside and they bleed that onto everything that's around them, whether it's family, friends, whoever is um, is is within distance. They are really good at luring people in because they look vulnerable and they seem harmless. And so you want to help them, but, consequence, but consequently, you are likely to lose yourself um, in that process, whereas you might have started off healthy, you'll end up with the hair falling out completely gray, barely weighing 100 pounds because you've constantly been trying to satisfy and meet the needs of a person that's simply just insatiable. Um, as I mentioned, they willow in self-pity, making you feel like that it's up to you to help them get through life. And that's how you can get stuck in the situation. And you see it commonly with parents who have children that are narcissistic, that they're thinking that as a parent, it is their job to always help their kids to take flight. But the reality is that they may simply just have a narcissistic child that will never be able to do it on their own because they don't feel like they should have to. 
Um, one of the characteristics you'll notice about these individuals is that they are frequent complainers. Nothing is ever good enough and you are expected to address and solve whatever issue they are having because the world has been unkind to them. The world has been unfair and it is up to you to bridge that gap. This brings me to memories growing up as a child and being in a home with um, a father who essentially was always miserable and it would, it would be put on us. The onus will be put on us to do things to show extreme appreciation. Um, thank you for everything that was done for us. Um, the essentials for providing the, the, the food we, we've just eaten, for providing the shelter, um, you know, for being a father that's in our lives versus one that could have left and abandoned his children, which ironically um, happened anyway. But this is not uncommon for the neurotic narcissist to always feel like, woe is me, all oh, the trouble I've seen. And so that just kind of gives you an idea if you are experiencing or if you've witnessed something like that, maybe you can spread that word with someone. Um, one of the things about these kind of narcissists is their self-importance wreaks havoc on all that gets involved with them. So as I was mentioning with the experience growing up, that everyone ended up with some type of problem, some type of emotional PTSD in need of therapy just to get through. And some are still dealing with the effects of growing up in a home like that. And many of you who listening, who are listening, maybe can even relate to something of that nature. Um, these are the type of people that you can talk to them for an hour or more, hours at a time about themselves. And they'll never want to stop to check and see how you're doing. Um, generally, when a narcissistic person is asking questions about you is to figure out how to conquer you for a later period in time so that you can do their bidding. But there generally is no um, genuine interest in any part of you um, other than your surface. Um, these narcissistic individuals, they also can draw us in because if you're an empathic person, um, which I consider myself to be an empathic person, certainly not a perfect person, but definitely an empathic person because when people are in pain or they're hurting, my natural tendency is to want to help and do something about it. But the thing about these narcissistic people that seem like they're just the best project to get in there and help with these um, vulnerable narcissistic people, let me be specific here, is the work never gets done. Like you may have spent 15, 20 years working with the same person on the same issues and it seems like you haven't gotten anywhere because there never really was an intention um, on the behalf of the narcissistic person to really get anywhere. You were fulfilling a role that they expect you to fulfill indefinitely, and you will have nothing to show for it. And in most cases, they're not concerned. Even though they may say they're concerned, their actions definitely state something um, very different. So the thing you got to understand about these narcissistic individuals is that they don't commit to change unless their lives are such a mess that it's the only way. However, aspects of their personality will live on. And you must contemplate on if you're able to deal with those aspects of that personality and what are the boundaries that you'll have to set to survive in that situation. You see, most of us are not cut out to deal with these personalities, which is why having serious vetting processes for friendships, for intimate partner relationships are key and having boundaries to avoid getting intertwined if necessary, if it is an avoidable situation, but as you know, not always avoidable. Sometimes it could be 
It could be a spouse. It could be a relative, uh, a mother, a sister, a brother. And depending on how you're wired and depending on what you feel that you need in your life, um, it may not be realistic for you to separate from these individuals. Or maybe that the family is so intertwined to where in order to have relationships with certain individuals, you have to have a relationship with other individuals. So there are a lot of challenges that can come that can come with that. But one rule that I will give to you, and I'll say rule number one, although there's just many rules there could be, is don't feel sorry for people. When you're someone that feels sorry for people, it sets you up to get drawn into all kinds of madness. People can smell you. It's like you're you're like you're dripping blood and you're in the ocean and the sharks are coming. Um, for some people, there are no solutions to their problems. There's only problems on top of more problems. Um, in general, going back to narcissists in general, there are some shared characteristics, such as their dynamics with their children. So you may have heard me say in previous podcasts, YouTube video, I don't know, that narcissistic individuals tend to be good with their children when they are young. And this is because they see themselves through their children. They would um, think about it. Would you ever intentionally mistreat yourself, mistreat something that is an extension of yourself? Probably not unless that extension or that perception of that extension is broken somehow, some way. So the problem usually tends to occur when the children start to create separation through the natural process of maturing and when their personalities begin to form. You see, when children start to come into themselves, they can start to become an inconvenience as far as the parent is concerned. And the parent can start to lose interest in the child because the child just has all these interests that just simply just diverge from what the parent wants them to do. The parent wants the kid to play soccer. The kid wants to play basketball. The parent wants parent wants the kid to do gymnastics. The kid wants to go cheerleading. And something as petty as that can be enough to drive a rift between a parent and a child because the emotional maturity for a narcissistic individual is non-existent when it comes to being challenged. Um, so a war of wills ensue, and some parents will actually try to humble their children through destructive measures, which is why permanent separation in some cases is needed if, of course, the individual can actually separate permanently. That's actually a decision that I've made and I've been able to do that. And I often get pushback in people who are questioning my decision but a lot of these people are also miserable in their own lives trying to navigate dynamics with certain people who they should have cut themselves off from a long time ago. So I guess I guess we'll we'll, we'll see who who um who wins out. Um the thing you have to understand is that most narcissistic people are are determined to only live one way, their way. They are determined to find a way to obtain their needs for attention and admiration at any cost. And it doesn't matter if you're a child, if you're a spouse, if you're a parent, if you are a barrier, if you are in the way, or if you can be exploited to fulfill the needs of that individual, then it generally is only a matter of time before that, that happens. And so some people will say, why are people so hard on narcissists? There's all types of of mental health things going on. There's all types of disorders. Like why are narcissists given such a hard a hard rap? And the reality is, is that because they don't have to be this way. It's very simple. It's a choice to act 
this way. Our feelings are our feelings. Our thoughts are our thoughts. But what you place out in the atmosphere, what you put out in the world, that is very much you. And yes, it can become second nature for an individual to act and carry on in certain ways. But that's why we bring things to their attention. And as is often the case, especially in relationships, you will complain, you know, you will complain and complain some more about how you're being treated, how a person's making you feel. You might tell your parents that you don't appreciate when or you don't like when they say this or do this around your child or blah, blah, blah. And they continue. And there may, they may start a path of maybe a day, maybe a week of going ahead and, and honoring your wishes. But then at some point, there's a part of them that feels like, I don't care. Why am I doing this? This isn't what I want. And then the hierarchy of their needs versus your needs comes into play and your needs on bottom, their needs on top, and they return back to the same behavior. So I say all this to say to you, do not spend all your time looking for the overt outspoken fool that is a textbook narcissist that you hear about every day. Doing so allows the vulnerable narcissist to weasel into your life and to wreak the same havoc, but in a different way. If it is not too late for you, reveal minimal about yourself when you feel like you are in the presence of a narcissistic person. Do not reveal your fears or your insecurities. They will be weaponized against you. You will be exploited according to your vulnerabilities. Um, Your relationship with narcissistic people needs to resemble much that of like a professional relationship where it's like a need to know basis versus you just trying to have this open disclosure. And I used to struggle with that when I first started working. I did not know how to interact with people without being um, my authentic self. And the reality is, is, is that when you're in a professional setting, there needs to be a representative. There needs to be a version of yourself that is that you have allowed or created to function in this exact environment. And it's not set to say that you're being fake, but you are being guarded and boundaries up to a certain degree to where just because you're asked a question doesn't mean you give a comprehensive answer. So how are, how are things going on in, in your life or how are things at home for you? Or, you know, that doesn't mean that you go into, into to death about someone in your family is struggling with cancer and, all these other dynamics you have going on that, you know, your marriage is failing and you don't know if you guys are going to stay together. Like, that's not what you want to do in those situations. I've been in office setting where I've seen someone give full disclosure about their life and the sociopathic narcissistic individual on staff went around telling everybody these details, but while giving her her remix to the events and making the person look a certain way and kind of kind of becoming like a joke of the office. And the person did this for entertainment. There was no bad blood. The person didn't didn't do anything to them. But let's let's be real. Sometime at work you get bored and you start talking to each other. And that's essentially what happened is that this individual would go out to lunches with this woman. And this woman was under the impression that they were friends and would come back and tell us everything from the divorce to the annulment to the affairs to all the things going on to the issues co-parenting 
just you just knew everything about this woman because this lady decided to always share all the details of this business. And being someone who doesn't want to challenge a narcissistic person because then you know you're next, you find yourself either having to distance yourself as in go somewhere else or sit there and just let this person divulge while you just say nothing. And sometimes I did both. But what I will note, because the person would would come to me and tell me these things, I wouldn't go to the person. So you have an office and someone walks in there and they, they decide to just vomit someone else's personal life on you. And they thinking that, and they want you to believe that because they're telling you these things that you guys have an understanding that they would never do you this way. But it's sport. It's soccer. It's kickball. That's basically what's happening here in these situations. So I encourage you to be very discreet when it comes to the information you share and do not underestimate the vulnerable, the the pitiful, the woe is me, life is so hard, I got to complain all the time about everything, individual. Quit trying to lift them up and empower them. Let them lift and empower themselves because they're going to stay there. And all that's going to happen is that you're going to just latch on and be that battery pack for this person and once your battery is at zero, they will find someone else to replace them and, and to replace and put put that person where you were. So don't give away your power. And if you've already given away your power, take your power back. So this podcast wasn't intended to be too long. It was just to really give a rundown on these two types of narcissistic people, the grandiose and the vulnerable, neurotic, narcissistic individual. If you are, if you want to support this movement, feel free to make a donation. Um, I greatly appreciate it. If you're interested in seeing what other things I offer, I also have a blog on my website, www.drpacohinton.junior.com. And I also have drpaco.com, which is my t-shirt line. Again, that's drpaco.com. So feel free to check out my other things and support if you're interested. But without further, I thank you all for joining me. Dr. Paco out.